coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. What's up? So this starts a series of me interviewing people, but I suck. So I thought my first interview better be someone who knows uh, podcasting or is at least better on them than me. So I asked Mike at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter, a member of the DLF family himself and also writes for Trophy Smack. Always a lot of fun. Um, very different process than mine. There are always three questions I'm trying to ask one way or the other when I, what are your process? Why is that your process? And what are the results? We get to all three in this one in a roundabout way and despite having a very different process and Mike essentially being the king of micro markets, even though he wouldn't call them that, um, we end up in a lot of similar places. Anyway, check it out. Thanks very much and follow Mike at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter. <laughs> guess whenever i'm like i'm kind of out of things to talk about i've got to go find someone who might have things to talk about and uh, that's what the preseason is for me so uh there's no projections to do i don't care about dfs <laughs> and hopefully my rookie evaluations are good enough that the right players are sticking out and if they're not i'm just late and it always feels sucky to be like two months later by the way did i mention i really like george pickens i definitely said that <laughs> you absolutely did yeah <laughs> yeah I actually had him second overall, my pre-draft ranks, and the draft moved him down to seven. So, like, fuck the draft, man. He screwed it up for me. So, so, <laughs> so that's that's the thing, right? Like, I go on with um, with Rich Cooling uh, from from uh, from our group, and I do pre-draft, and I hold it. I, I'm not going to mess around. I I look at you know talent. That's all I care about. Like landing spot, where they go in the draft. Draft capital doesn't mean anything to me. I just care about talent. Uh, so coming out of that, I was Burks one, London two, Garrett Wilson three, and then Pickens four. That that was how it shook out for me. That was how we played it. And you know, obviously now he goes to Pittsburgh, and people are dropping him because of the weapons in Pittsburgh. And I was like, why? Like, if you're good, you're good. And, and and if you're good, are you really worried about Chase Claypool? Is that the guy who's going to derail your career? Right? So no real change for me there. The, the one guy who I'm starting to think maybe I was too low on is Olave. I mean, he's looking good. Uh, had a, you know, had a good landing spot, obviously, on a good team. And with Jameson Winston's knee injury, now I'm thinking, dang, I probably should have flipped them and should have had Olave five and, and William six. But here we are. And, uh, you know, we're not going to backpedal now. So that's where we had them. Yeah, similar. Like, 
I'm just selfish. Like I want to make better choices in fantasy football. And so my rookie process is based around that, not based on what makes good content or anything like that. And I think that helps. Like, I think that's why I produce anything useful because you can definitely make yourself sound more right, but you're not going to be more right. Like mm -hmm. um, I rank pre-draft and I give myself the whole pre-draft, like until the draft happens, like I can change that damn rank, but I have started dating it because, you know, um, I rank in pre-draft because I want to know what I can make out of the profiles before I knew what draft capital is. And you say you don't care about the draft. I don't care about the draft. I'm not a draft snob, but mm -hmm. I do know it's this great indicator, right? Like if you're undrafted, I love you, but I do know NFL teams aren't interested. You've got a lot further to go to train, no matter how talented you are, to get that opportunity. And so it matters in that regard, and it weighs a lot in like my post-draft process but the thing is i want to know what i can make of their profile before i knew that and then what i what it said about my profiles with their draft capital now if i don't lock those in and make those that's what they are then how could i ever go back and do better <laughs> like i don't know about you but i barely remember what i said about Corey davis like if it wasn't written down <laughs> if i hadn't made notes i would not know why I, like i could look at it now and make up my mind but then i find when you look back you if you know Corey Davis struggled, you're looking for problems. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what your opinion of his, but oh, it uh, is rookie draft and, earlier. And, and I, you know, I've gotten a good amount of pickings because of getting in early, you know, being in on March. And, and it's funny because I know someone like you who you're doing projections, you're doing models. Man, I just like watching him play. Like he he played angry. He he has that like go up and snatch the ball attitude. And coming off the injury, you saw a little bit of it. I mean, you saw him in the title game, like bullying people. You saw the big catch. You saw flashes of pre-injury George Pickens that people forgot about. Uh, and like I said, it's when the draft came out, obviously I don't want to say I completely don't care about the draft. Obviously I dropped Hakeem Butler when he fell off the face of the earth. Right. But right. <laughs> you know, him landing in Pittsburgh, I'm like, Hey, the quarterback situation is unstable, but it doesn't matter. Like players like this win out those 50, 50 ball players that can turn them into 80 twenties win out. So I, there was nothing, I don't think there was really much in the draft save for falling out of day two that was really going to pull me away from Pickens. If he fell, you were going to figure it's uncertainty about the injury, right? Like he's coming off an injury. Right. Maybe people were unsure. So I wasn't worried about him as long as he went day two. And obviously then he got the draft capital. It just kind of confirmed what we we're already thinking. You know, this is a player, got a good landing spot. Man, I, I don't know what there wasn't to love, but I think people were all looking to – you know, kind of hit big on Jameson Williams, like a home run hitter, trying to find – everyone's trying to find the next somebody. I mean, I talk <laughs> good players. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to call them the next somebody else. Just I hate that player. season. Um, but, yeah, we went on to the Pickens thing way too quick. But you were talking about it, and I was interested. Um, yeah. Who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you mike where, where can they find you what do you do um why, why why should they care something like that introduce the, yourself honestly they probably shouldn't uh i, I don't care much i i, I show into the void and I, and I work with you uh which is fun 
Uh, so Mike, uh, Daddy's Home FF on Twitter, DLF. I write mostly strategy articles. There's enough people doing projections and profiles. So I tend to focus on getting people into Dynasty, uh, teaching you the ins and outs of Dynasty League, bankroll leagues, how to do startup drafts, how to do rookie drafts, and, and basically give you evergreen articles that hopefully people can use year in and year out rather than focusing on particular players or projections. Then I also write for Trophy Smack. For them, it's it's more weekly. I, I tend to look for those, as you said earlier, everyone's talking about the same buy lows. I try to find people that folks aren't talking about. Uh, so to give you an example, I, I think it was like week 13, uh, in my article, I hit on Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne. They went off that week. Bourne had 84 and two touchdowns. I'm looking for those outside the top 20 guys that are smashed starts. Either you can get them for free on the waiver wire or you can get them for next to nothing in a trade. And I'm giving you weekly picks. So I'm not telling you play this guy every every week, but simply this particular matchup favors this player. You should take a look at them. And what I do, which I think is you know really important in this industry, is every article starts with accountability from the week before, I hit it about 48%, um, which honestly going that far outside the top 20 and having to hit in the top 12 to be successful, I, I was, wasn't overly upset about, but like you said, I, I always want to get better. I, I never want to miss it all, uh, but I'll call out. So exactly you mean, sorry, can I just, um, what 48% what you said outside the top 20, but so that I'll, week I'll, they finish inside the top 20? Yeah, like, finished inside the top 12. Yep. So if you're talking oh. players outside the top 20 for ESPN, in order for me to hit, they have to finish inside the top 12. I, it has to be a low end wide receiver one RB one tight end one week for me to consider it a hit. Uh, I can tell you my tight end advice is trash. Uh, I was miserable at tight ends. Uh, my sweet spot tended to be wide receivers. Uh, that that tends to be where I uh, lean towards anyway. Uh, but yeah, overall, just kind of trying to hit those players. So in order to be a hit, they had to be outside the top 20 ESPN consensus for the weekly rankings, finish inside the top 12 at their position. And for quarterbacks, it's outside the top 15 and has to finish in the top 10. So you're you're a DFS di- uh, redraft player, surely? Uh, mostly dynasty, actually. I just get bored, uh, so I, I decided to write some redraft stuff. Uh, Chase Vernon, who who brought me on really early in my uh, in my start here, had said, "Hey, I'm going to do this," and I'm like, "Well, I'm doing dynasty at DLF. I can I can mess around with some uh, DFS and redraft. Just try to challenge myself a bit. I I think that honestly, like, it's good." to really get into redraft if you're a dynasty player because we tend to focus too much on the future and honestly the point of any league is to win so i'm a dynasty player who plays it more heavily like redraft i would say i think most of us i know i came from i started out in redraft and then you just don't want to give up your roster because you did a better job damn it and then they shouldn't (laughs) get your players next year and and then we get so far into dynasty we start overvaluing the dynasty aspect of it that's what that's actually where i was trying to lead you like that seems like redraft or even dfs advice and it sounds like it would be really good for that purpose but at the same time like you must have hit on some players that now have elevated in value, and that's important in Dynasty. If you're getting them less and now they're worth more, whether it's over a short-term or a long-term period, um, both are really valuable moves in Dynasty, right? Did you find anyone particular last year from your articles that you went in high on because of one week or because of the weekly analysis and now is like seriously more valued in Dynasty? 
Yeah, so I, I think the big ones that I that I hit on, uh, first off, I called Cam Newton getting cut from the Patriots. So I was in on Mac Jones uh, earlier than probably most. I think a lot of people were saying, hey, you know, no arm strength and behind Cam. I called him <laughs> as a week one starter. That that was that paid dividends pretty quick. Uh, the other guy that I've been in on, and, and again, I guess maybe being from New England, uh, the two guys that I, I was hitting on was Kendrick Bourne. Uh, somebody that I picked up literally for free. And I, I think people will scoff at, you know, well, Kendrick Bourne's a 13-round pick. Sure, uh, you got him for free. You got him literally for nothing in, in my dynasty drafts of 22 rounds. That's a that's a nine-round jump in ADP as far as I'm concerned for, for next to nothing. Uh, so that was a big play. And then the other ones, uh, realistically, that Damian Harris. And again, I'm, I'm going so heavily Patriots because that's my team. Uh, everyone was so big on Ramondre. And it made no sense just knowing the coach, knowing the player that that's where they were going to be. And then lastly was Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel is a player I hit on and got basically everywhere. Uh, while if you remember, the hype train was Brandon Ayuk. And on that one, I remember, I remember, I, Mike, I was did. in I, that trench. <laughs> I, I thought you were. And I, I watched the train go by and I picked up the slow train <laughs> on Debo Samuel. Mike. Jeez, <laughs> you expect me to know what you wrote a year and a half ago, Peter? I don't know what I, I wrote a year and a half ago. I, I, yeah, I do. Everyone should know everything I do. No, um, that's a good in here because I got a whole bunch of questions. But I'll point out just for anyone that's confused. Um, I asked a whole bunch of people to come on the crossroads, and then I was like, a whole bunch of those people I just met and didn't say they'd been on podcast before or said they hadn't been. And I was like, it would be cool if I just focused on that. And then I turn up the first one, and the first one's Mike. <laughs> streams for dlf writes for four different sites nice to meet you mike uh what's it like on your first podcast no um and it is good to know you're too big to pay attention to me that's 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 fun i just wanted to explain why you know you're not new <laughs> you've been out here a while um i think i'm matt jones now speaking of which i i, I like him i don't because I, I don't do a lot of quarterback evaluation i just like the fact that he's one he's one of the rookies last year who actually did well Mm-hmm. And yet he's a rookie that no one seems he's a sophomore no one seems interested in. Everyone wants the rookies that did bad last year. And <laughs> I'm not a quarterback evaluator at all because it's frustrating as hell, but that just seems backwards to me. So what do you think? Yeah, Mac Jones is basically the type of quarterback that I've lived off of playing super flex. Uh prior to Mac Jones, it was Derek Carr. Prior to Derek Carr, it was Kirk Cousins. It's these boring non-running quarterbacks that people just want nothing to do with. Mac Jones is a very safe QB2, quarterback 15. You know what you're going to get, especially valuable in leagues like the Fishbowl where accuracy and interceptions play such a big part of a quarterback success. So a a big-time QB2 in a league like that. But what you're getting him for and how cheap you're getting him, if you're punting quarterback and you're waiting and, and really stacking your position players, Mac Jones is just that fill-in guy who's never going to hurt you. He's not going to excite you. He's not going to be someone you're going to tweet about and get 800 likes and retweets and go viral on TikTok. But the dude gets the job done. And I, I don't know what else you could want from a second-year quarterback other than safety with some upside. Why wouldn't you go after Mac Jones? There's literally no reason not to. But like you said, everyone wants to hit on the guy who missed last year because that's more exciting. That's going to get you more retweets. 
I'm, I want to win. I genuinely don't care. I don't care if we go viral. I don't care if people listen to this podcast. I just want to win fantasy football games. And if one person can get help doing that, cool. Uh, playing floor plays while you're going for upside of other positions is smart. You always want to balance risk. So Mac Jones is that great equalizer if you're going high upside in the early rounds of your draft. That sounds great. But again, why is every sophomore quarterback going to improve? And what we saw of their upside last year is even higher. But Mac Jones, even as someone you're talking about that you like, you're like, there's no room for improvement. That's what he was last year. And we expect Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, all to be better and Mac Jones to be the same. So that there's no narrative attached to Mac Jones. And that's what catches fire on Twitter. The narrative with Trevor Lawrence, obviously, is generational talent who was stifled by Urban Meyer. The narrative on Justin Fields was terrible coaching staff. They didn't let him play his game, didn't let him run enough. We're just completely ignoring the fact that his weapons are actually worse this year, which is unbelievable considering how bad they were last year. Uh, so, you know, that's being ignored and we're just figuring he's going to get better. That one, I, I honestly can't figure out for the life of me why people just assume he's going to be better. Uh, Zach Wilson, hey, you know, second year quarterback has sex with his mom's friend and all of a sudden he's a legend. So he's going to move up the charts. Right. And here we are with Davis Mills and Mac Jones, the two guys who actually did something being forgotten about oh and then trey lance who started what eight football games over the past two years is all of a sudden going to light the world on fire and he's lamar jackson and has to go in the top 10 just because uh and i'm not saying i don't like these players i'm not saying that no they're not gonna no, I upgrade, get but that's what gets people going is that people don't want to actually get into the nuts and bolts of fantasy football, they want to look for something they can grasp onto and narratives are such quick hitters. And in the social media world where we have a character limit or a, a video length limit, people are looking for those quick hitters and, and that's what catches people's eye and that's what brings fire and that's what raises flames. And ultimately that's what will end your fantasy season. If you buy too high, on a narrative and it doesn't hit. And I would say we're probably going to see about a 50% hit rate on the narratives we just that we just went through. I, I would say narratives are almost zero. Um, but yeah, and don't think I didn't notice you just slipping Trey Lance and Davis Mills into this. Let's take in Mac Jones. Okay, we're staying uh, on my guy here. All right, I just throw everybody in there for you. Now, I, I just think, you know, everyone spent all our season talking about how these guys can be more accurate. And I'm like, I'm not a football player or a, a sportician. Do they call them sportitions? I don't, I don't think know. so. I think you made that up. Yeah, but that's cool. I, I, I think you. they should call them sportitions. I think we'll, that's a good we'll conversation. We'll personally. get that get, get that viral. Get that going. Get that yeah. going. Um, sportitions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it just seems to me that like Matt Jones can run a little bit, which was why he wasn't top 15, even potentially top 12 last year. He literally basically just plays two feet on the ground and threw it like <laughs> zero rushing added yep. through his legs but um and i get it rushing adds floor but it's spoken about as a ceiling so much but i mean what's harder to hit a guy t 10 to 30 year yards down the field in the perfect pocket for them to catch it or to run, run a little bit it just seems if we <laughs> we can think that mac jones uh can rush a little bit it should be as have a little bit more upside even even the new just described him but i'm just saying um 
Speaking of which, something that I've noted and again caught flack for last year was I, with fab bidding, I said you should go in, and I think I maintain you should go in fairly heavy, fairly early. Like with, within the first three weeks, essentially the 70% of the top 12 players are essentially already top 12. If you mm-hmm. look over the last few years, and that's worked by Connell LaPlante, because I couldn't be bothered to do it, and he was in the Discord talking about it, so he went and looked up. So, And by week three, pretty much the top 12 players are established. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't variance, because we can talk about Mike Williams, for example, but he did finish yeah. the year as like top 13, I think. But um, And I was out, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> I missed. Uh, but... Where was I going? Um, and so running backs or just players that turn up in a season fairly early, like week one, two, and three, I always recommend really heavy fab bids. Like I'm not looking to have a lot of fab left by week four, to be honest with you, especially in a dynasty league. Because I find most players who turn up and then have that value that we're talking about. And they do laugh when you say like, you like Kendrick Bourne, don't they? They do. It's more of a scoff. I'm familiar with that scoff as well, Mike. It's not fun. But... Since you're doing this weekly, do you find um, is that true? That's just basically my anecdotal feeling on it, and just this one stat that Connor looked up. But since you're you did it all week last year, and I assume is it that, is that the first year you did it, do you yep. find like most of the best ones turn up fairly early or for Dynasty specifically? Yeah, so it's actually the second year I did it. This first year I put it in print, uh, the year before I was doing it actually in podcast form. Uh, so it, it's the second year rolling with it. And, and I agree fully. Number one, uh, always go all in with fab. What, what I tell people is fab is meant to augment your roster and then strategy will help you fill in for bye weeks. So realistically, if you're spending 10% on fab just to get through week 10, you probably screwed up. And if you take a closer look at the strategy, there's probably a $0 bid that outscored the guy you bid on. So for me, I I don't mind even if you went all in on Marquez Callaway last year, like that might not have hit. We can all talk about Elijah Mitchell, right? But we had a lot of people go in on Callaway. And I think what's going to happen is now this year, people are going to shy away from that. And that's an advantage for the players that understand that the process was fine there that you want to go all in on a guy who either because of a situational change or a particular skill you didn't know existed emerges. You want to grab that quick. So yeah, I'm done with my budget completely blown out or at least 90% of it. Same thing like you by week six at the latest, because everything else is going to be situational and situation changes. We we always get hooked on these Devonte Booker because Josh Jacobs gets hurt. It never pans out. If the guy's not getting run early, it's because he probably sucks, not because something can change that's going to magically make him a good player. So what I'm doing is looking for the guy that I didn't see coming, the Elijah, Elijah Mitchells of the world, like I said, Callaway, going all in. And then I'm making $0 bids, just expecting that I can read the situation and read the game script of that particular week. And I could pull a $0 bid wide receiver later on in the year. I'm not worried about getting outbid on the guys I'm finding because no one's looking for them anyway. They're all looking for that big splash week eight. And guess what? If you didn't see him yet, you're right. He ain't coming. It's not happening. So absolutely, the first time you see that splash of greatness in Dynasty, that's what you're looking for. Cause all those $10 bids, 
You're going to drop for your for your uh, rookie picks next year. You're literally going to drop them for free next year because they're not going to pay out and you're going to have to cut down your roster because hopefully you're picking up draft picks. You're looking for upside. So you're literally pissing away $10 at a time for no reason. Try to get that one or two guys that may stick through the offseason on your roster. That's the only goal of Fab for me in Dynasty. Yeah. That was a great segue, don't you think? Yeah. Perfect. I think that sold Nailed it pretty well. Nailed it. Right? That was great. Yeah. Now, um, moving you a little bit more specifically in the dynasty, because obviously, like I said, I really think all this is applicable in dynasty. Dynasty mm-hmm. waiver wire tends to be a little more barren, even though the rosters aren't that much deeper. It's more like everyone's rostering this year's rookies, and that's where a lot of the younger players are going to be the ones to do something surprising more often than not. But um, do you react as quickly when you're thinking about rookies? Like, it's preseason right now. we got a lot of, and we just mentioned George Pickens and the hype season beginning. Um, and not, so so it's not a gotcha uh, format. I don't know why I can't say say a complete sentence without dropping in a random nerd noise. Like, flable, <laughs> flable. Do you have a similar philosophy when it comes to rookies as you just described with the waiver wire, or do you give them longer before you declare them to be bad? You were just talking about some running backs who just didn't get play early, and so you were in on Elijah Mitchell. And mm-hmm. do you find that to be true with wide receivers and tight ends? Because I increasingly with Dynasty, with everyone being sharper and sharper, I find the best way to gain an edge, if there is such an edge to be gained, is one, having a longer memory, but also reacting quicker, earlier, um, to disappointments as well. So, you know, fade rookies after year one if they don't do well. It sucks because I like Elijah more, but, you know, it protected me from KJ Hamler and Andy Isabella, so I'll just keep rolling with it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's my question. If you could just put that in a question, Mike, for me, just <laughs> do my podcast for me. Yeah, like, I got Do you got have you. a longer waiting period for rookies that you like? There you go. <laughs> so I do have a little bit of a longer waiting period because if, if history tells us anything, they will still hold their value a little bit longer in Dynasty. People will hold on to their priors longer than ever before. Like you said, they're getting sharper, but they're also getting more arrogant people are starting to believe in their process more than their eyes so what's happening is with the exception of last year the guy who's fascinating to me is Terrace Marshall who people have just completely given up on but for the most part people are holding on to their prayers hell people are still touting Jerry Judy who's done nothing now in two years and all of a sudden he's going to be the savior of the world we did it with Sammy Watkins Sammy Watkins was a first round dynasty pick for two and a half years without ever doing a damn thing so the reason why I give them a little longer run isn't because I'm not feeling reactionary and isn't because I'm not itching to make the move it's simply because the community and my leagues allow me to so it's almost like someone checking in poker you don't fold when someone checks. If they give you a free look at a card, you take it. And, and with receivers in particular, we give people very long rope before we consider them busts. People are still telling me DJ Moore is a, is a top eight wide receiver, despite a lot of evidence to the contrary and the talent being there. But realistically, now we're, we're on to Baker Mayfield and all of a sudden this is going to unlock DJ Moore. I mean, we've been touting <laughs> this guy as a star for a how long. So the reason why I have a longer tail isn't because mentally my brain's telling me to wait longer because it's dynasty. It's simply because I'm afforded that luxury. 
by the people I play against. I'm afforded that luxury of getting a longer look on a player that I had a high preseason eval on because the league will allow me to keep the value insulated for a longer period of time than in redraft where people ultimately have to make a decision before the trade deadline, before week 13, right? So it's a different vibe. But what I am looking for, I'd say probably six to seven weeks in, if I don't see a flash of a player, I'm looking to see if I can find someone who's still excited by him. And what I'm actually looking for is down the schedule. Do I have a hit week for him? And I'm already planning in my head, this dude's going to do something week 10. It's not because he's good. It's because Buffalo can't cover the slot. And once he hits that slot coverage, blows up for his you know two touchdowns, I'm shopping him immediately because I think he's not only has his value insulated, he may have jumped a little bit. And people say, oh yeah, here it comes. Cut that shit. Um, Pete, future Pete, cut that shit. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I don't have a marker, especially when the smaller the sample size, I guess, if we're going to try and sound like a guy who understands statistics for a second, because, you know, I'm meant to do that occasionally. Mm-hmm. I don't have a great marker for it, but I do know I want to react quickly. But it's interesting. Like Tyree Kill, I reacted too strongly too quickly after his rookie season. It was positive. It was good. But I got him for free. And so I traded him basically for a first and nothing. And that's been a failure ever since. Terrence Marshall, and I can't wait for 2022 because I'm I'm due regression. Like I got too much right. And I'm realizing how obnoxious it is to constantly saying, oh, yeah, I got that right, by the way. Literally on an island of one of, of anti-Terrence Marshall. But I'm just throwing it out there one last time. Got that one right. And now... Interestingly, some rookies will fall. Rondell Moore has a little bit. Terrence Marshall has fallen drastically. And that's the other part I wanted to bring up about what you said. I mean, we we value rookies exceptionally longer. Wait, we value rookies longer, but disappointments will get drastically adjusted in ADP. And so there's still mm-hmm. a value to adjusting early. Rookie players are the one group that consistently score a higher points per game in the last half of the season versus the first half of the season. So they're the ones you can add to your roster as the season progresses, for example, or have a higher value on if you're seeing positive indications. Right in a weekly column, is there anything you particularly look for on rookies rather than just playing the market in the psychology game? Is it just getting snaps? Is it just getting routes? Is it kind of everything you just kind of have to read the player? So, so I look at snap percentage and I look at targets in particular, uh, obviously you're not going to do much if, if you can't catch the ball. Uh, and then what I look at is realistically, what has the defense done? So the way I actually write the weekly column, if we want to get into the nuts and bolts of how it happens, I actually look for defenses that I think can be exploited and then back into the player. So when I'm writing the column, Rather than saying, I'm going to feature Terrace Marshall this week, I don't think that's a good process. I, I think that's basically a bias in and of itself. So what I do is actually go in reverse, and I say this team is set to be exploited. They're 28th against opposing wide receivers in particular. Uh, and we, you know, I, I hinted about it before. Buffalo was really struggling against slot receivers. They have historically and, and did a year ago in, in finding – that was Cooper Cup's big boom week. It was also Mike Kosicki's, but Mike Kosicki's only boom week because he's essentially a slot receiver. Uh, so you, you fall into these plays where it's like, hey, this is a guy who's outside of the top 20 because of his overall body of work. 
However, he's running into a situation where really everybody is exploiting this particular matchup. So that's how I back into it is I say, hey, this team in particular has a weakness. It has a flaw. Who are they playing this week? And then I look and I say, oh, geez, this is this is the guy. Or I might say, hey, well, the guy who's popping out in this matchup is Tyreek Hill. Well, I can't write about that. That's not fun. Right. So I go to my my second defense, but I actually do it probably in reverse of the way that most people think. I don't look at the top 24 and say, OK, let me let me highlight players I want to look at. I actually pick the matchups. Then I go to the rankings and say, do I have a guy that fits what I think could exploit this particular matchup? And that's how I put it together. And, and a lot of times it becomes frustrating. It makes the process longer. Because I'm going to ESPN and I'm like, damn you, you saw the same thing I did, right? So I, I have to back off on the call and, you know, pick somebody else. But really the vibe goes, check the defense first. Where have they been getting gashed? Pick the player. Does it fit the criteria? Is there a good story to tell? And honestly, and this is most important for me, would I play this guy? I'm never going to give people a name just to sound cool and and not have played him in my own lineups. I always want to make sure this is a guy that I find startable and, and I find that I'm going to play. So that's how I end up there. So in a weekly, that's what I'm looking for. But when you equate it to dynasty, when I start falling off on a player, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm just trying to find a week that I think will make them look good. Uh, and Beckham in particular, it was fascinating because – I use Beckham as an explanation on why I gave a longer tail to the previous rookies with COVID. If you remember correctly, Beckham pulled his hamstring, wasn't really involved in camp, and that's detrimental to a rookie. So these years in particular have been fascinating with COVID and, and with the lack of training camp. You know, is it possible that we see more breakouts from players that weren't really able to get in rhythm and weren't able to catch fire? There's a possibility that we see more late season breakouts, but people are enamored with Justin Jefferson. They're enamored with Jamar Chase. They think that happens all the time and they're not realizing that that's historical. Like Calvin Johnson didn't do that. Jerry Rice didn't do that. Like all those big players that we love, none of them did that. Devontae Adams was a straight up disaster as rookie year. The man couldn't catch. Yeah, I know. I feel like you should check out this website on Oakwood DLF where, you know, some lonely nerd no one likes has actually gone back and looked at pre-established year one positive indicators or not but whatever mike that guy's probably not worth paying attention to anyone no I, no i'm well, just kind of i, I don't i don't have a su- well, i don't have a subscription so i have to i have to steal your password i guess while i'm being obnoxious <laughs> about 2022 i just throw yeah. it out there but yeah Go why not i know um, if you want i didn't know the podcast no. was how smart you were we can keep doing this do you want me to tell you how pretty you look today i would enjoy that yeah <laughs> you look very nice i like your shirt <laughs> it is a good shirt, but it's because someone else made it, not the way it hangs. You know that. No, um clearly everyone's getting the sixties and seventies by smashing it. Uh yeah, no, it's funny though, you brought up Drake London. I have a I have a championship roster that won last year. Um, and actually just traded the pick that was Drake London for Elijah Mitchell and the pick that was uh George Pickens. And the reason why I made the deal is I don't expect awesome. London to have a big rookie season I, I just don't uh Kyle Pitts is there the, the quarterback situation is trouble and honestly like everyone sees Mike Evans without realizing he's 30 pounds lighter than Mike Evans was coming out of college he, he's he's uh, uh and you know how I like to hit on uh yeah. rookie size uh he he's he's not 
He's not that guy. And unfortunately, what, what Drake London does well, um, he has somebody on his team who does all those things well, who happens to be, you know, an absolute prodigy and a better player than Drake London on a team that just isn't that good. <laughs> Let's call it what it is, right? So Drake London's a guy that I, I'm going to love seeing have uh, what I think will probably be a mediocre rookie season, uh, deflate his value slightly, and someone that I'll be picking up for year two, who I think would be an easy smash for your uh, year two breakout, if you're going to do that again on that lovely website, DLF. Because there's literally everything pointing to he'll be a slow go. He he won't be out of the gates. But if Ritter is the guy who they end up with and, and they pair up well, sure. I just don't think he's going to be a guy that busts out early. Um, and I think it's going to be more of if he has a decent year, it'll be more of like a, a Amon Ross St. Brown type year, right? Where it's later in the year, he starts picking up the speed. But then when casuals are going to looking at the overall yearly totals, we'll devalue him in the following year. I, again, I appreciate you coming on my podcast and talking about everything I say I don't like, like size and strength of schedule. That's I really that, appreciate that's that. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that's great. No, no, honestly, because someone's got to mention it around here because I'm not Gamma. That's <laughs> so, someone's got to do it. Um, and where can they find you already doing this work? Because so they don't have to do that second deep dive. They can just read you. Um, and also, I'm kind of heading towards the exit here because I yep. realize I've kept a lot of your time, and I want to make sure I remember to do the exit. Um. Who's the rookie this year who you do think could have a big season? Since we normally do get one that at least increases exponentially in value, if not Drake London, even though you like him and you think people will be disappointed, but he'll still be good. Um, or who is looking good for week one based on what you've already looked like at any position? You know, we talk about wide receivers around here, but you got a free reign. You can talk about what no, you like. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, so let's talk about uh, two players at the running back position that are going to jump up quickly and then we'll get to uh the wide receiver smash that i have for for the running backs i'm looking at uh rashad white and uh samir white actually we're, we're looking at the uh the white brothers as the two players that i think are probably going to jump the most because they have the same name and and that's the best process i can come up with um, but realistically uh rashad white's been the forgotten man as the damian pierces and the james cooks have flashed in preseason people forget that this is a talented player he's behind Leonard Fournette, who we know is getting long in the tooth and apparently a little wider in the waistband, from what I've heard. Uh, and then with Zamir White, obviously, the uh, the release of Kenyon Drake. What's made me happy is a lot of the community is is gravitating towards Amir Abdullah. So I don't know we're going to see a big spike in Zamir White. But with running backs, what we do know, and this is why we love wide receivers, uh, running backs are all about opportunity and getting on the field. And I think those two will see more of the field. Uh, uh, Damian Pierce would have been the name, but he's already jumped and that's wild to me. Uh, but those are the two that I think will see the field. But in all honesty, the guy that is going to start off slow that you're going to get cheap right now that I think won't be later on is David Bell. Uh, I think both what his skill set is. He's a great route runner coming into a bad situation um, with a poor quarterback. I think he's going to be your clear cut target for someone who's going to jump. And uh, he's a guy that gets open. He's a, a route runner and he's going to be a quarterback's dream. Um, so as much as I hate the quarterback that is going to be coming back week 13, 
Uh, I think that's a guy who's going to get a lot of play. Um, I'm not a big Amari Cooper guy. I, I do think the situation is good, but the player itself, uh, he's the type of player that maybe won't pop off the screen, but will be a complete stalwart in your lineup for years. Solid player, great route runner. And someone right now that you're getting at the end of second rounds of rookie drafts that I think will be in the top 12 of rookies taken in, uh, in the second year startups. Now, I will say, I, I know you're going to cut this out, but I told you I Hold wouldn't on. hug you at the end, and you, you, you came in for it, so... Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go! Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so... Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no! Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical! Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.